book, the book of Hebrews chapter 7. John, that last song, uh, I know the congregation, and I know it's a timely piece for quite a few who, who will know that the Lord won't let go and they won't leave you to be on your own at this time. It's a wonderful piece. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 7, and we'll just begin to read at verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated evermore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence as we have worshipped you. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that have went forth and the gospel in song, and the words of encouragement from the songs. And we now pray, Lord, that your word would have free course in the meeting. Take charge, we pray. Take over and speak the hearts. For Jesus' name's sake, we ask it. Amen. In this Christian life that we live, Christians all the time are saying certain things like, Nothing shall be impossible with God. Matthew nineteen twenty six. With God, all things are possible. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, yes, with God, all things are possible. But we also say God can do all things. God can do anything. There are things in the Bible that tell us God cannot do. We want to call this this evening, He is able, but we want to look, first of all, at what God cannot do before we look at what God can do. For example, first of all, in Hebrews chapter 6, if you'll look at it with me, please. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Notice that. It was impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So here's something God cannot do. It's impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. So there's things he cannot do. It is impossible. In fact, when the writer is writing this in Hebrews 6 and 18, he says there are two immutable things to which it was one impossible, and it is impossible for God to lie. Why? that you would have a strong consolation in him. If God can lie, then we don't know if we're saved tonight or not. 
If God can lie, then you don't know if you are forgiven of your sin tonight or not. If God can lie, then we don't know the power of the blood of Jesus tonight or not. What if God is lying if he can lie? So God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Every covenant he makes, he keeps. And every promise he gives, he performs. His word will not return unto him void. God cannot lie that you would have a strong consolation. In other words, it's a strength of comfort to the heart, to the soul, to the mind. And whom Christ is and what Christ has done, that you and I will know where we are with our salvation, saved, soundly saved, because Christ has died for us. God cannot lie. One for consolation, strong consolation, and also that we may have it with the hope that is set before us. In other words, we're going to heaven. We're kingdom bound. When Christ returns, we will enter the gates of the city. In other words, you have a hope. It is firm and fixed in Christ, and God cannot lie about it. Even should the grave take you, God will resurrect you from the grave, and we will enter into his joy forevermore. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, there's your strong consolation. John talked about sickness and sickness, and the word cancer frightens many people. Let's be honest, it would frighten all of us probably. But at the same time, God says there's a strong consolation. There's a a deep voice within us. It's still, and it's small, but it's strong. And it says, I have you. You're mine. You're saved. You're secure. It's eternal. I will not leave you. Neither will I forsake you. And he says, no, I will be with you always. That strong consolation sets our hope upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. So it's impossible. God, first of all, cannot lie. Secondly, God cannot change. I'm talking about his person. He can change circumstances. He can change situations. He can make sinners saints. He can do all manner of things and change them. But he cannot change himself. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. The Lord says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. God was saying, In your flesh, you're just like Jacob. In your flesh, you're up and down, you're in and out. You love me one day more than you love me the next. Or maybe you don't love me at all at times, he says. You serve me one day more than the next. You follow me one day closer than the next, he says. But you change. The world changes. Circumstances changes. Everything changes. But he says, for I am Yahweh. I change not. And that's why you're not consumed. Because of his big heart of love. Because of his long suffering. Because he has placed us in Christ. Notice this as well. Psalm 107 and verse 27. It says, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Not only is he unchanging, he's unending. He is eternal, and he cannot change that. Because that's whom he is. That's his person. That's who God is. And God says, I can't change. And I can't change being eternal either. That's something God cannot do. Acts 1 and 11. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, taken away from 
the disciples, the, the men standing by them, them heavenly beings said, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. The same glorified, ascended, risen Christ is the exact same glorified, ascended, risen Lord who stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And he is this same Jesus who will come again in like manner. He went up through the clouds. He went into the clouds. He went through space to heaven. And he is returning again in the same manner. And you and I will rise to meet the Lord in the air. Here he says, this same Jesus, he cannot change. And of course, James 1 and 17 tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God cannot lie. God cannot change. And God cannot forgive sin without repentance. Uh, let me say it again. God cannot forgive sin without repentance. If God forgive a person's sin without them repenting, he'll have to apologize to the devil. I'm going to say it again. If God can forgive sin or did forgive sin without a person repenting, he would have to apologize to the devil. Here, God cannot forgive sin without repentance. That is, the turning from their sin and forsaking it all to follow Christ and trust in his finished work. Listen to the words of Luke 13. It's said in verse 3, but this is verse 5 also. Except ye all repent, ye shall all likewise perish. God says, if you don't repent, Christ says, if you do not repent, you cannot be forgiven. If you do not repent, you cannot be saved. If you do not repent, you cannot enter God's heaven. His kingdom will expel the man and the woman at the very try of them entering the gates. God cannot forgive sin without the sinner repenting. Fourthly, God cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 says, if we believe not, he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. When a man or a woman denies that God exists, when a man or a woman denies God ever existed, when a man or a woman shakes their fist, as it were, at heaven, when a man or a woman walks away from Christ, when a man or a woman backslides and goes into the world, they deprive God of absolutely nothing. And listen, brothers and sisters, they deprive God of absolutely nothing because He is God whether they believe or not. He is living whether they believe it or not. He is real whether they accept it or not. It deprives God of absolutely nothing. He cannot deny himself. And if we don't believe, he abides faithful to his own self, to his own morals, 
to his own holiness. And we'll look at that next. God cannot deny himself. In other words, sometime you might say, if someone was asking you to do something and you says, no, that's the rules and we're not going past the rules, then suddenly we bend the rules and we become something different just to bend the rules for a certain person. You're denying yourself. You're denying the rules, especially if you've made them. God has made them. God has set them down. And God says, I will not deny myself. And many a, a nice Humanly speaking, good person has died without Christ and was launched out into eternity. People like me have to try and think of something good to say over their graveside in order to try and make them feel better, the family. We leave them with God and the mercy of God, yet we must say God cannot deny himself. The man and the woman who dies without Christ will spend eternity without Christ. God cannot deny himself. Fifthly, God cannot sin. God cannot sin. The idea that he cannot sin is taken 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. And Peter rehearses Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 45. Be ye holy, for I am holy. God says, be ye holy. Notice, for I am The I am means he who was and is and is to come. The I am who is what you need when you need it. The God who always was. The same one and the same self-existing God. He's saying, who I am, I cannot deny myself. And I am holy. In him, there's no shadow of turning. In him, he is immutable. He cannot change. He cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. And he says to his people, Be ye holy, for I am holy. In other words, I want you to be like me. I want you to be like me. God cannot. For example, let's put it into a natural realm. If you have a round hole, and you take the round hole, and you dig it out, and you make it into a square one, it's no longer a round hole. You can't call it because it's square. It may be a hole. It may look like a hole in the ground, but it is not a round one. It is a square one. Even the law of nature says that it can't be a round hole anymore. It's become a square one. And God cannot do that either. In other words, it changes his being. It changes his nature. It changes whom he is. Once he denies himself and becomes unholy, it's impossible for him to become unholy, for then he's no longer God. For then he is no longer a holy God. He is no better than, than the sinner. It's impossible. He cannot. He cannot sin. You cannot take a triangle and call it a square. I want to tell you something. There's people who call themselves Christians. And they know not Christ. And on that day, it'll be like square pegs and round holes. It will be like square pegs and round holes. You can say it, you can put on the act, and you can maybe look it, but if you're not it, and that day it'll be like square pegs and round holes. You're not what it is and what it seems to be. So our weaknesses have been shown here. But our weaknesses, what that looks, he cannot do, he cannot do, he cannot do, are actually strengths of God. God can't sin. Our weaknesses we do. God can't deny. 
our weaknesses we do. They're strengths of God. God cannot change our weaknesses we do. God is holy, our weaknesses we're not. Our weaknesses we're not. So our weaknesses are strengths to God. For example, God never forgets. Yet he chooses to remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. 31 to 34, even when you read it, when you go home, the Lord says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Listen to what he says. Hebrews 8 and 12 mentions it. Hebrews 10 and 17 says it. And Hebrews 10, 17 says, There's sin and iniquities will I remember no more. You and I will forget. God forgives and he forgets. He chooses to forget. He never remembers it. When we come to Christ, he forgets our sin. He forgets our past. He forgets our failures. And it's not a weakness of his. It's a strength. You and I may say we forgive, but we don't forget. It's a weakness of ours. We do not and cannot forget. Listen to what Puritan Thomas Brooks said. And he says about what is in God and whom God is. Listen to this. Puritan Thomas Brooks says, God hath in himself all power to defend you, all wisdom to direct you, all mercy to pardon you, all grace to enrich you, all righteousness to clothe you, all goodness to supply you, all happiness to crown you. And if God changes, then he hasn't got that for you. But God cannot change. Our weaknesses, the weaknesses of God, our weaknesses of man are really the strengths of Almighty God. He chooses to forget. So let's look at our our scripture tonight at what God is able to do. We know this is just a summary for it would be exhaustive, inexhaustive to, to talk of what God cannot, can or can't do. But listen to Hebrews chapter 7, please. Let your eye run down to verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Notice this. He is able. Points it directly at Christ. The Spirit brings the pen of the writer directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is able. He didn't say they are able, but he is able. Directly to Jesus, he is able to save. In other words, Jesus alone is able to save. Jesus and Jesus only is the Savior. Jesus and none other. If you look at Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22, Listen to what it says. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. I need you to grasp this because this is what will make you realize the depths of this word. The word here, surety. Jesus made a surety of a better testament. The word surety gives the idea of someone who would co-sign a loan or guarantee payment. Someone who would co-sign a loan to guarantee payment. In other words, Jesus is the guarantor of the better testament of Hebrews 7, 22. Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus only, 
is the guarantor. He's the co-signature with the Father. He is the co-signature of the better testament. The word for covenant here needs to be looked at, or testament. We generally swap them back and forward. Covenant, testament is the same thing, and generally they are. But these words change here. For example, the word covenant is generally used and understood to be an agreement between two people or an agreement between two parties. Agreement between two people or two parties. And it's similar in this word testament, a better testament. It's still an agreement. An agreement, in other words, must be made between two parties. But listen to the strength of this word till we get the very import of its meaning. The word here, testament, is a word, diatheke. Diatheke, and it means, gives the idea of a last will and testament. And here, the idea, it's not so much between two parties, but it gives the idea that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, he dictates the terms to which you and I must be saved. God dictates the terms in Christ to how someone can be forgiven. God dictates the terms. Man does not dictate the terms. Man does not say, well, you'd be a good boy, be a good girl, be a good man, be a good woman. I'll just be a good citizen, be a good person. Come and join our fellowship. Come and join our denomination. And I'll dictate who will be there. It means God has dictated how man will enter his kingdom. And if man doesn't like it, then man won't be there. It's as simple as that. That's the strength of this word. And many don't like to be called sinner. And many don't like to be told they sin. And many don't like to be told they need a saviour. But rather, they'd rather you tickle their ears and pat them on the back and send them out feeling good. And God says, this is how you come to me. This way and this alone through the blood of my son. That's what it means. This is the only way. It means that God, through Christ dying on the cross, left a last will and testament to the world. If you want to be saved, you must come this way. And if you don't, then you're damned. Boy, that's a bit hard, but that's what it means. There's too many people beating about the bush too many ministers and pastors and preachers who are telling it's all lovey-dovey. Yes, God loves you, but God also says you come this way or you're lost. Here it is. I dictate the testament. Well, if God's a dictator, I don't want to be in his kingdom. Well, listen, God is a dictator. It's his kingdom. He's the king. He says what comes and he says who comes and who goes. And if man wants to be in his kingdom, it's as simple as that. We come his way through the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of his Son. So notice this. The surety is this, that Christ has firmly set salvation in himself, that God has dictated to say, you want to come, this is it. He alone is the way. Secondly, God is able to save them to the uttermost that come on to God by him. The term uttermost here means to the last part, to the highest degree. It means it gives a security. We have a surety, 
and then we have our surety, then we have security. Too many Christians are not secure in their faith. They're not secure in their salvation. Too many Christians are thinking they're saved one day and lost the next. They're thinking, if, if, if I haven't got up and prayed for five hours this morning, then God is finished with me. And then if you haven't prayed, or what if you forgot a sin and you haven't repented of it, brother, sister? What if there's been something you forgot all about? Or what about a sin you didn't even know about? What about that? Are you lost now? No, but when you come to Christ, it shows that he has paid your debt. It shows that he's the one who's keeping you to the uttermost, to kingdom come. He will keep you when you trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus has never lost its power. The blood of Jesus has never lost its power, brothers and sisters. Here it says that he is able to save them to the uttermost. Not you're able to save yourself to the uttermost or a pastor, or a priest, or a minister, or a pope, or, a, or whoever else can save you to the uttermost, but Christ and Christ alone. Yes, Jesus is our surety. He is our security. He is able to save us to the uttermost, to completion, to finalization, to perfection, it means, the total salvation of spirit, soul, and body. We're made sure through his blood, that is the blood of the everlasting covenant, and that is what it says in Hebrews 13 and 20. Calls it the blood of the everlasting covenant. The word covenant is the same as better testament. That which God himself has dictated. God has come, as it were, used the cross like a pen. He's took the blood of Jesus like ink. And he has written in the earth, cracking the very rocks when it strikes the earth. This is the way. This is how you come. Through him and through this blood and him alone. That's what it means. The blood of the everlasting covenant. That blood has never lost its power. Jesus' blood is still able to cleanse us from the foulest of sin. To set the captive free. Hebrews 7 and 24. We see this, that we are not only saved, but we're made secure. It says, but this man continueth ever and hath an unchangeable priesthood. Notice, here's his unchangeability, his unchangeable priesthood. In other words, he's continually praying in the glory till his return. He alone is able to bring us through and to intercede on our behalf. He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Notice, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Do you know right now in heaven, the blood speaking for me? Do you know in heaven, brother, sister, the blood's speaking for you? The blood of Jesus, the power of it, is right before the glory of God. That blood that was shed at Golgotha, at Calvary's tree, it still speaks in glory, even this very moment that we're sitting here. There for me, the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love. I know I feel Jesus lives and loves me still. Praise his holy name, Yes, he is able. He is our mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our reconciliation. Listen to another Puritan, William Sacker. Though Christians be not kept 
altogether from falling. Yet they are kept from falling altogether. I'll say it again. Though Christians be not kept altogether from falling, yet they are kept from falling altogether. In other words, Christ triumphs, Christ wins, and Christ is victorious. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. In that day, Jesus will not be disappointed. In that day, when the saints go marching in, as it were, Jesus will not be disappointed. He says, Father, of those that you have given me, I have lost none of them. And he'll not lose you either. You've given them to me, and I've kept them through my blood. I have prayed them through the circumstance, through the storm that was sang about tonight. You have kept me. Moving quickly, and I'm going to close in a moment. He is able to save. He is able to keep. Notice what Paul says here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. See, that's what's wrong. There's many aren't persuaded. Persuaded that he's living. Persuaded that he's real. Persuaded that he's alive. Persuaded that he's coming again. They're not persuaded enough or they wouldn't live how they live. I'm persuaded, notice, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There's coming a day in which our souls will be inquired after. The apostle exclaims and proclaims with a holy triumph here. I have an assurity. I have security. I stand on firm ground, a sure foundation upon the rock of ages. I have placed my hope, my eternal welfare, my total trust in the only one and the best trustee I could ever know. I know him. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Christ is not one who lets you go when troubles rock the world. He's not one to let you go when failures come upon you. He says, I will keep you until that day. He saves and he keeps, brothers and sisters, He saves and he keeps. Jesus has a perpetual ministry as we close. Looking at this, 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have an all-sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. In other words, it's his strength. It's his sufficiency. It's what he's done. Everything rests on him and he will keep you. Listen, he doesn't get you as if you're learning to ride a bike and you get saved and he sets you on it and he starts pushing you and you're saying you can't ride and he just pushes you along. He says, now off you go and you fall off the bike. It's not like that. He walks with you. He holds you. He moves with you. He runs with you. And he's called a paraclete. And he stays by your side. And he seals you until the day of redemption. Yes. I believe Jesus saves and I believe he keeps. He keeps. 
Paul was persuaded. And listen to what he says in Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able. Praise his name. Lord, I'm so glad you're able because if it was up to me, Lord, I'd be always lost. I'd never make it. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Here's another one, Hebrews 2 and 18. He's able to give you strength. For not he himself being being suffered being tempted, that he is able to succor them that are tempted, or the word succor is by a theo, which means to run to the cry of those in danger and bring them aid. Isn't that lovely? To run to the cry of those in danger and bring them aid. In other words, in this Christian walk, you know, God will say, you know, I'm able son, I'm able daughter, cry unto me. Get on your knees. He says, pray, call my name. Peter, when he sank in the water, he cried, Lord, save me. Three words, raised him out of the waters. The Lord runs to the aid, as it were, the Spirit of God. He raises us up to keep us. He is able to strengthen us, to succor us. And he's able to subdue all things. Philippians 3 and 21 says of Christ, who shall change our vile body, this is at his coming, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He is able to subdue. See the word subdue, it means to bring into subjection. For example, Luke tells us when Jesus was, a, was growing up, he grew under Mary and Joseph, and it says he became subject to them. The thing is, he, he obeyed them. That's what it means. He obeyed them. He lived with them. He lived by their laws and their rules of the house. He was totally subject to them. And the same word here is used that when Christ returns and our loved ones who are in the ground who died in Christ, it says there will be the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the skies will roll back and Christ will come in all of his glory and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and meet the Lord in the air. It gives the idea that he will subdue even the rotting flesh and corpse He'll take the very DNA. He'll take the dust. He'll take the ashes. He'll take the rotten bones and he'll bring them under subjection of his power and he'll give us a new body. Every cancer will die. Every tumor will rot off. Every disease will be vanquished in Christ's name. He'll subdue it. And the kings and queens of this earth will come and bow before him and cast their thrones at his feet. Here you rule from this, and here's my crown. And he subdues the animal kingdom, will not eat one another. The animal kingdom will not be devouring one another. And the child shall play in the hole of the ass. And the lamb shall lie down with the lion. When Christ returns, he will say, you're under my subjection. Jesus returns, he is able. God says he's able to make stones cry out. Do you know that's a prophetic utterance, by the way? I'll teach you that sometime. That's Bible prophecy. People miss that, but I'll teach it. The stones will cry out. He'll make the stones praise for those who won't praise. He is able. 
He is able. What's your need tonight? He is able. 